Hi guys, my name's Jason and this is the UK Money Podcast. On this podcast, we talk about all things money, personal finance, investments, just generally how to get ahead financially. Now on uh, this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about a couple of different things. Um, First thing we're going to be talking about is um, stock market indexes, you know, how they work, what are they, uh, and what does it actually mean for, for investment portfolios really. There's a couple of different ways you can invest or a couple of different, I guess, broad spectrum um, approaches to investing, um, and that is active investing or passive investing. And index, um, the index and how that is structured is a really important um, facet of, of those two different types. So we're going to have a little bit of a talk about that. Um, and I'm also going to be talking about this concept of uh, things being priced in to investment markets. So we've seen um, we've seen over the, cor- over the course of the past week or so, uh, all this talk around the vaccine um, for COVID-19. Um, and you know, that's obviously had an impact on stock markets, but it's interesting to see when that impact actually happens. You know, at what point in the news cycle does it impact stock markets? So we're going to have a little bit of a talk, uh, talk about that as well. Uh, on this podcast, it's really important to note that I'm not providing any financial advice. I am a financial planner, I'm a financial advisor, but obviously in this, uh, in this context, in this environment, just providing some information that will hopefully put you in the right direction for your own research. Now, as well as uh, offering this podcast via all your traditional sort of podcast apps, it's also available on YouTube. So I do record this um, if, you, if, if YouTube's more your style. Um, one thing that I really want to keep stressing on these episodes is that the more questions I get from, from you guys, the more tailored I can make the content, the more relevant I can make it. So I've got all my contact information in the show notes. So please do get in touch with me down there. You can also find me on all, all the different social channels. I'm on Insta, I'm on Twitter, um, LinkedIn, obviously on YouTube. Do feel free to drop me a comment comment on there. Um, like I say, the more feedback I get from you guys, the better the content will be. So please do get in touch with me and ask me any questions you might have about your finances. So the first thing I want to talk about today is what is a stock market index? Now, you probably hear this a lot on the news when they talk about uh, the FTSE 100 was up. 27 points today, or the S&P 500 was up 500 points today. And essentially what they're talking about in both those cases is what's known as a stock market index. Now, what I've just, uh, I've just mentioned two of the biggest ones in the world. So the FTSE 100 is listed is the London Stock Exchange based on the London Stock Exchange. Um, and then you've got the um, S&P 500 in the US. You've also got, um, you know, the Dow Jones in the US as well. There's a whole range of different uh, indexes, stock market indexes all over the world in all different stock markets. So the first point to note about stock market indexes is, is that essentially they are just created by an organization and by, or by a company to represent a particular stock exchange or a country stock market or a, um, a subsector of that stock market. So if we look at the FTSE 100, for example, um, it was created back in 1984. So obviously the London Stock Exchange existed well before that. Um, but there wasn't, um, I guess, an index that, that tracked that um, tracked the value of that stock market as a whole. So the, the FTSE 100 was created back then, and it had a base value of a thousand points. So what that means is they took the 100 biggest companies in the on, listed on the London Stock Exchange, gave them all like a weighted value that equaled 1,000 points. It's just a mathematical calculation. It could have been 100 points. It could have been 10,000 points. Didn't really matter. But they essentially pick a starting point for what the value of that that those 100 companies represents. What that then does over time is that every day when the stock market goes up or goes down, 
there's that calculation can be done exactly the same way to work out on a weighted basis whether the stock market as a whole or the 100 biggest companies as a whole have on average moved up or on average moved down and by how much that they've done that. So it provides this sort of situation where you can essentially weight a really large portion of the stock market to get an understanding of whether it's been a good day for shares or a bad day for shares. Now, within that individual um, index, there's always going to be companies that buck the trend. So whilst the index could go up in one particular day, there could be individual holdings within that 100 index that have actually gone down. So just because the index has gone up for the day, it doesn't mean necessarily that every single share has gone up, but it just means that on average, the prices have increased. Now, the other thing to note on that is that every individual index has slight differences on how, how it's calculated. So when people talk about uh, the stock market going up, for example, in most cases in the UK, they're going to be talking about the FTSE 100. Now, the 100 biggest companies in the UK will make up a massive, massive percentage of the overall value of the UK stock market. But it's not going to be representative of literally the entire stock market because it is only the 100 biggest companies. And there are a lot more companies than that listed. So, you know, there are different indexes that you can look at. For example, there is, like I say, the FTSE 100. There's also the FTSE 250, which looks at the 250 biggest companies. And depending on um, what you're, I guess, comparing against or what you're wanting to invest in, one or the other of those might be more appropriate. You know, if you're wanting to look, if you're looking at, what the really large blue chip companies have done um, for the day or the year or the month, then the FTSE 100 is probably going to be a really good example of that. Um, if, on the other hand, you're looking to get an understanding of how not only the big companies, but some of those kind of smallest tier two companies, growing companies um, are, are performing, then potentially the FTSE 250 would be a better option to be looking at. So, we can talk about the stock market doing things and we can talk about the indexes doing things, but it's important to remember that there isn't one size fits all for these different indexes. Now, as well as having individual country indexes, so like I say, we've been talking about um, the FTSE, which is in the UK, there are also indexes in, the, um, in all sorts of different countries as well. So America obviously has a number of different uh, indexes and they have a couple that are, so we've got the S&P 500, which is the biggest 500 companies in the US. You've then got the Dow Jones uh, Industrial Index, which again has a bit of a wider range than that. And then you've got other indexes like the NASDAQ. Now, the NASDAQ is an interesting one because the NASDAQ focuses on tech stocks. So rather than providing an overview of what the, the stock market as a whole is doing in the U US, it provides an overview of what the tech sector is doing in the US. As well as all these kind of major broad spectrum indexes, you can get really specific like that. So obviously, you've, you know, I've just mentioned the NASDAQ, which is tech stocks. There are indexes for uh, mining companies. There are indexes for retail companies. There are indexes for basically every subsector of the stock market you can think of. And it can be a really useful way to actually break down the stock market as a whole and see which sectors and which, sec uh, which sectors of the economy and which sectors of the stock market are performing better or performing worse or being more volatile or whatever. Um, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of different indexes that you can, you, can, um, you can research and start to get an understanding of how different parts of the economy and different parts of the stock market work. Now, for investors, this is important because it provides what's known as a benchmark. So if you're looking to invest in the UK uh, into UK shares, for example, you don't want to be investing in a way that you're getting a worse return than everybody else. 
You know, the whole point of investing is to grow your money as much as possible. And in order to do that, you want to make sure that you're keeping pace with the pack, so to speak. So the if you're investing in large blue chip companies, for example, in, in the UK, you know, potentially the FTSE 250 or the FTSE 100 is going to be a good um, be- benchmark for you to compare against. You know, if you're performing in line with those indexes, then you're getting the average performance of the market. So you're doing okay, you know, you, you, your investments are going to be doing what you expect them to do. If you're performing better than those indexes, even better. You know, you're outperforming the market as a whole, um, whichever way you're managing to do that, but that's obviously good news as well. And on the flip side, if you're underperforming those indexes, it can give you a bit of insight that maybe you should be looking at the way you're doing things. You know, if you're putting in a lot of effort into your into picking individual stocks and doing a lot of research and trading regularly, and yet you're performing worse than the stock market as a whole, then that's a clue that maybe you should be changing things up a bit. And this brings me on to the conversation of, or the topic of index investing versus passive investing. And this is a really hot topic in investment circles. It kind of always is because there's no right or wrong answer as to which is the best approach. But one of the main ways that um, people invest is what's known as index investing. So if we, what that actually means is if we go back to the FTSE 100, let's say you want to invest in UK stocks, but you don't want to have to be researching which companies you think are the best. You don't want to have to be going through balance sheets. You don't want to be having to mess around with doing in-depth analysis. One of the most common ways to invest without having to do all that is by just investing in the index as a whole. So there are a lot of different fund managers and investment funds out there that will take your money for you and then invest in the 100 in the case of the FTSE 100, they will invest in all of those 100 companies on your behalf. Now, the FTSE 100 is a cap-weighted index, which means that the biggest company makes up the biggest company on that index makes up the largest proportion of that investment. So, if you invested into a FTSE 100 index fund, you would have more of the company. You would hold more shares in the company that's number one on that list than you would the, com- uh, the company that's number 100 on the list. So, when you invest in an indexed um, uh, tracker fund or a passive fund, that fund manager buys those 100 companies and then it will move your money around depending on what's happening within that index. So for example, if the company that is number 100 on the list has a bad year or a bad quarter and they drop down to 103, the fund manager would sell that company on your behalf and then buy whichever company replaced it in that FTSE 100 index. So it means there's no discretion involved. You know, the fund manager is not looking at the different investments and making decisions on your behalf. They are purely looking at which are the biggest companies right now and investing in them for you. Now, investing in this way doesn't mean you have to be, um, you you can't be diversified because like I say, there are indexes for pretty much every asset class in every country out there. So you could have some money invested in UK index funds. You could have some money invested in German index funds. Um, American ones, et cetera, et cetera. So you can still be very diversified in this manner, um, but you, I guess, are accepting the fact that you're not going to outperform the market. You are going to get whatever the average return is for the stock market that you're investing in. That's the average, that's the return that you're going to be getting. One of the other benefits of this form of investing is that the costs are really low. So if you're investing via fund managers, um, which is really the the only way to invest um, in index in the index, I suppose, unless you've got a lot, a lot of money. But um, you know, if you're investing via fund managers, they don't need a lot of resources to implement that strategy. You know, they don't have to have teams of analysts. They don't have to have um, 
research houses. They don't have to have a huge number of staff or as many number of staff to be doing all that research. So they can keep their costs quite low. And obviously, because their costs are quite low, they can pass those savings or pass those low costs on to you as an investor. So investing in um, in index funds or index ETFs, passive funds, is generally it generally comes at a really low cost for, I guess, the industry as a whole. Now, a lot of people will say um, that, that index f- investing is the best way to invest because you are keeping your costs low and you know you're going to be getting the average of the stock market. There are also a lot of proponents for what's known as active investing. And this is probably more traditionally what people think of when they think of investing in the stock market. Um, An active investor will basically invest within within a stock market still. So they'll still be investing in UK shares, for example. But rather than buying the index as a whole, they'll be looking to find the constituents or find the holdings or companies within that index that they think are going to outperform that market as a whole. So you know, rather than investing in, um, if you bought an index fund, you would have holdings, for example, in BP and Shell, right? Um, if you're investing uh, in a, an active manager, they might look at that and say, you know, we're not, we don't like BP, but we do like Shell. So you're not, you would, um, that manager would, would hold, uh, hold shares in Shell, but not in BP. And essentially what they're doing then is they're using their research and their, their investment capabilities to try and um, pick the companies that are going to outperform the others. The proponents or the people who are in favor of this approach obviously believe that over the long term that that active fund manager skill is going to come to fruition. So by doing that research, by doing that analysis, they're going to be able to pick companies that will outperform the index. Now, there's a lot of conjecture uh, and a lot of debate in investment circles as to whether this is actually possible. But that is the argument, essentially, that if you're investing in active managers, that number one, they can outperform over the long term. And also because they can move money based on their own uh, analysis, they also believe they can protect things on the downside. So that they believe that, that invest their investment portfolios won't fall as much as the index as a whole. Now, you know, I don't have a comment one way or the other. You know, there's really good arguments on both sides. I think personally, I think there's a, a place for each. So, you know, if you're investing in really large, um, very efficient markets like America, where there's just a huge amount of money and focus, it's really hard to outperform the market because there's a lot of people trying to do it. There's a lot of money in there. So potentially, you know, index investing might be a really good option for really large cap markets like that. On the other end of the spectrum, if you're investing in emerging markets, you know, Brazil, Russia, China, um, then, you know, they're much less developed stock markets. There's a lot less money in those markets. There's a lot less, uh, a lot fewer investment managers in those markets. You know, potentially there are areas there where maybe active manager can outperform. So it's not a a one size fits all approach, but it is, um, I guess, one of those things that if you're looking to invest yourself, it's, I guess, um, something where you're going to have to make a decision as to what you feel is the most appropriate option for you. Or like I say, looking at a combination of the two depending on where you're investing. Now, one other point to note on active investing is obviously uh, I mentioned that index fund managers are able to keep their costs really quite low. Active managers have a lot more costs. So there are teams of analysts, there's obviously then pension funds, there's office space, there's all all that sort of stuff. So the costs for active managers are generally higher. So that is one of the trade-offs that you are trying to outperform the market with an active manager, but you are going to pay a bit more for the privilege. And actually, 
um, you know, those costs are going to be higher whether they do actually outperform the market or not. So, you know, in the worst case scenario, you could end up in a situation where your active manager has underperformed the index funds, underperformed the index, and they've also taken extra fees on top. So it is just something to be aware of that you will pay more for that style of investment management. And this kind of takes me nicely onto the next point I wanted to talk about today, which is this idea of um, investment markets pricing in things in the future. So investment and stock markets tend to be what we call a leading indicator of the economy. So what will normally happen is um, if you think about the news cycle or if you think about what um, the kind of things that move stock markets, we often get news or rumors or murmurs of things happening in the economy or things happening with, with different companies quite a while before they actually do happen. So it's quite rare for a company just to come out with incredibly bad, unexpected news. You know, let's say they, there's a, a car company that was going to lay off 50,000 people or go into administration. Normally, there's bad news that comes leading up to that. So, you know, maybe the year before that announcement, um, they have a profit warning where they're not making quite as much profit. Maybe there's some problems with their factory, which is driving this. Maybe there is an incident like coronavirus, which means the demand for someone's products are lower. It normally comes at a point where there's a lot of bad news that slowly starts to build up over time, which eventually leads to um, a really bad situation for for a company or for a stock market as a whole. And what tends to happen with investment markets is they price in a lot of that bad news before it actually happens. So, It might be that, um, like I say, that car company says that, look, we think the next year is going to be really tough. Um, We've we've gone through coronavirus. Our factories have had to shut down. We haven't had as many orders. And stock markets react off the back of that. So they're not looking to say, well, let's just wait and see. Let's wait and see what happens with this car company. And in a year's time, if the news is bad, you know, we'll sell out of our shares then. What actually happens is people are forward-looking, either professional investment managers or regular regular individual investors, and they think, you know what, if the next year is not going to be great for this car company, I want to get out. I want to get out now. So what then happens is, okay, the stock price will fall a bit on that news, and then in 12 months' time, if that all comes to fruition and that car company has had a really bad year, they have laid off a lot of people. Actually, often the stock, if, if, if it's all in line with what they said was going to happen, the stock price often won't actually fall any, any further because it has been priced in, as we say. You know, that bad news is already expected. And you, because of that, you get this weird situation where sometimes a company can actually announce bad news, but because the news wasn't as bad as had been expected, the price actually goes up. So, if the company, uh, if a company uh, comes out at the start of the year and says, look, we think we're going to lose £2 billion this year. It's going to be a terrible year. It's going to be really awful. We're going to, be, we're going to lose £2 billion. On that news, the stock market will drop quite a lot. Uh, sorry, not the stock market. The individual share price will drop quite a lot. If at the end of that year they say, you know, guys, we told you we were going to lose 10, £2 million, £2 billion, and actually we only lost £1 billion. Losing one billion pounds is is pretty bad news by any measure. But actually, because the stock had priced in a loss of two billion pounds, a loss of half of that is actually really good news for the stock for the stock price. So what you what you would probably see in that situation, all things being equal, is actually the stock price would go up. 
because a £2 billion loss had been priced in and that only suffered a £1 billion loss. And this is really important to keep in mind for, for everything when you're investing, really. We saw it with the vaccine recently. You know, a month or two ago, or not, not two months, I suppose, more like a month ago, we started to hear about the, the Pfizer-Moderna vaccines and how um, they were looking really good. The trials had been uh, very positive. The, the approvals were all going through and markets rallied quite hard and those individual stocks rallied quite hard off the back of that. Um, and then what happened was once those, and so, you know, if you're looking, if you're, if you're an investor, you might think that, well, that's great. Imagine what happens when the actual, um, when the actual vaccine is finally approved and starts to roll out. And actually what we saw was on the day that the, the vaccine was actually approved in the UK, Stock markets went up, or the, and the company prices went up, but it really wasn't it wasn't um, that special. It wasn't that unusual the amount that it went up that day, and that's because again that bad news, that sorry that good news had already been priced in, so it was expected that the uh, vaccine was going to be approved and it was going to start rolling out. So people had been investing, professional managers had been investing on that basis. What would have been a real shock is if the vaccine hadn't been approved because then what would have happened is everything had been priced in based on the expectation that it was going to be approved and if it hadn't that would have really surprised the market and that's really the key point I guess I'm trying to get to is that the stock market in the short term doesn't really move on the the news that's being presented it moves on um, whether the news is in line with expectations or not. So I think that's just a really important point to keep in mind. If you're seeing stock markets move, um, again, as, as that example, in a positive way based off bad news, that's often going to be the reason why. Because that doesn't necessarily only happen with individual stock markets. It also happens, uh, sorry, individual companies. It also happens with stock markets as a whole. So we see the same thing where, you know, unemployment figures is one, for example. Unemployment figures, if they're expected to be incredibly bad if unemployment is expected to have gone up six percent and unemployment only goes up four percent again that means unemployment's increased that's bad news but it's not as bad as what people were expecting so it's just important i think to keep that in mind when you're investing keep that in mind when you're looking at what the markets are doing is that it is all based on expectations and that's why for me um i I use this example a lot with clients is that when we think about what happened with coronavirus earlier in the year the reason why markets fell so fast was because it was out of left field. It was unexpected. There was nothing priced in. And really, that's when you see these really big drops is when things happen that completely surprise the market. So today, we've talked a little bit about index investing, what an index is, how it works, um, and, and also active investing off the back of that as well. And we've also talked about the way in which prices move and, and the pricing in of information. So I hope that's been useful to you. Um, like I say, it would be great if you could subscribe to the podcast um, and provide me with feedback and provide me with questions. Um, the more questions I can be answering for you guys, the, the more relevant I can make this content um, and the more enjoyable it is for me to feel like that I'm actually asking questions questions that you've got. If you want to drop me a question, feel free to jump over on YouTube. I put all these uh, podcasts up on YouTube if that's more your style. Um, it'd be great if you could subscribe to the channel there as well. Um, I'm also on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn, wherever you get your socials, um, wherever you're, whatever, where, whichever socials you are on, the likelihood is I'm on them as well. So um, thanks very much for listening today, guys, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon.
Hi guys, I just wanted to jump in really quickly to let you know about my free weekly newsletter, also called The Hedge. Every week I comb through all the social feeds and news websites to cut through the noise and bring you the latest news and ideas in investing, business, entrepreneurship and personal development. As with all content from The Hedge, the aim is to help you grow your wealth in a way that allows you to be your real, authentic self. If you'd like to sign up, you can find the link as well as the links to all our other content at thehedge.io.